For Cybercrime Magazine, I'm Heather Engel. Today I'm talking with Jesse Metters. Jesse's company, Tutela Talent, specializes in placing CISOs at small to mid-sized companies. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me today, Heather. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Absolutely. So I've been in the recruiting space for the last, coming up on eight years this year. And the last four to five, I've really heavily focused on placing head of security CISOs for small to medium-sized companies. Let's say 100 million in revenue or less, and typically VC-backed technology companies that have data of high consequence. So that's been a lot of my focus for the last couple of years. Lots of changes, though, that we can talk about that happened end of 2022 into 2023. Yeah, that would be great. You have kind of a unique perspective on what small to mid-sized companies need in terms of a CISO. What are some of the things that these companies are looking for that might be different from a larger company? Yeah, it's a great question, Heather. Well, again, my perspective is going to be a little bit more narrow when it comes to small and medium-sized businesses, right? Because most of the companies that I've typically worked with are small technology-focused companies, right? So typically these are cloud native or cloud first. So they don't typically have any kind of on-prem infrastructure. A lot of them are fully remote companies and some of them are fully remote internationally, right? Where you have a team all over the world that they're building. And the main concern typically for these companies, especially if they're holding data of high consequence for their customers, let's say specifically, you know, B2B focused technology companies, they're looking for a technical CISO or a technical head of security, right? One that understands engineering and software development, understands how to protect code because everything is infrastructure's code, you know, their products are all developed. And so the biggest concern is around the code, but these leaders have to wear a lot of different hats, right? You know, you're coming into a typically a greenfield environment, a company that's most of the time growing pretty quickly. They have not a lot of structure in place. And so you've got someone who needs to understand how to operate in like a startup mentality, right? Where you're wearing a different hat every day. You might change directions every month or so. You might come in expecting one thing and then two to three months later, the trends change in customer behavior and security is affected by that, right? Maybe you had a plan to come in and build a team of 10 and now you realize you're barely going to have a budget to get two to three people. So you've got to become very innovative and scrappy and figure out, okay, well, how do we do a lot with a little, <laughs> right? And so there are a variety of trends that we can maybe talk about as we continue here. But typically the folks that I've worked with, you're pretty technical, right? They understand a variety of aspects of you know all the different pillars of managing a security program, but they also have to interface a lot of times with the board. Probably 38% of is kind of the statistics that we've come up with here as we've done surveys of these people interface with the board on a regular basis. So do you feel then like the small to mid-sized space is underserved? I would almost reframe that. I would say underserved is probably not the right statement, especially now. Mm -hmm. I think what's happened is a couple of things, right? So you've got a lot of market changes that have happened in the last year that significantly affected the VC market, right? So a lot of the investors pulling out of these technology companies, especially in like health tech, fintech, areas that struggled a lot with all the changes in consumer behavior. So I would definitely say they're underserved, meaning like they don't have the resources they need, right? And there's still security requirements that are in place. So in that regard, absolutely. 
And because of the strain on profits for these technology companies, we saw a lot of layoffs. Heads of security that were leading maybe a team of five to 10 people, right? We're talking pretty small, you know, employee size 250 to 1,000. A lot of these had to do a major contraction, laying off not only their security leader, but maybe even some of their team. The other trend that was interesting that we'll talk about here a little bit is a shift from these people coming out of these companies and then now going and doing fractional work. And a lot of the companies that laid these people off were hiring like a fractional leader, meaning they don't want somebody full time. So they're still getting the expertise they need to serve the needs of the company, but they're not going with like a dedicated security leader in some of those cases. So yeah, they absolutely are underserved. And I think the biggest challenge I've heard with conversations that I've had over the last two years is not enough support, not enough top-down support and not having the budget they really need to build a true security program becomes so frustrating. And then burnout also was a big factor last year, right? So we not only saw people laid off, but we saw a lot of people just absolutely quit and say, look, I'm done with this. I'm going to go start a consulting company, right? I can do a little bit different lifestyle. I don't have to be so burned out. I can work with a couple different companies and have much more of a work-life balance. Yeah. You know, we often hear about the resources and how there's so much competition for technical talent. And so I think it's interesting to hear you talk about how many of these companies don't actually need a full-time person, or maybe they need a full-time person, but they can't afford a full-time person. Is it that they're maybe able to offer more competitive salaries on a part-time basis and then get the talents that they need? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Definitely, we saw a contraction in salaries overall in the industry. When you see a ton of layoffs, it's just natural supply and demand trends, right? It's going to be interesting to see the results of the compensation reviews from 2023, right, for this year and see the significant changes. But I saw it a lot, you know, talking with folks that were laid off, right, walking them through that process and then seeing where they ended up. And their salaries were a lot of times significantly less than where they were previously. And a lot of it was, you know, the salaries are also the base, the bonus, but a lot of the stock and equity that they were getting before, the values of those went down significantly, which decreased their total comp structure. And so, yeah, I would say the battle for technology talent and that move to more fractional work, like you're talking about, was really more to get more per hour, right? You can definitely charge three, $400 or more per hour as a fractional CISO or a VCSO. There's a firm that I partner with, Hitch Partners, that I did a lot of work with as well. And they did a survey on the trends for VCSOs and fractional CISOs. And there's actually some great data out there to kind of look at what they're making, how are they getting paid. Sometimes they get paid in equity for some of these companies. Sometimes they get paid you know, on an hourly or a combination of both. But it did create, for some people, a better lifestyle, right? Like you can take on the clients that you need and not feel so pressured and maybe live a little bit below where you were before, but be happier. Yeah. Which is always something that we're looking for. You know, you mentioned that work-life balance and as we're seeing salaries contract, what are some other benefits that someone might get from working at one of these companies? Well, in the past, <laughs> I think it was the excitement of working for a company that could go IPO or get acquired and have a major payout. I've definitely seen people who have done very well, could potentially retire right now um, because of what they got paid out, right? From going through those. But I think those days, I know I wouldn't say they're over, but it's changing. We're not seeing as many IPOs as you know, and in the spaces that I've typically worked in, we're not seeing as much. And so now what is the focus for these leaders? I think a lot of them have taken time to reflect 
and say, what's the most important thing for me? And if they have a family, right, for my family, many of these leaders were just overworked. Health challenges came about because of that. And so realizing that they need to have the ability to manage the stress and the pressure that comes with protecting consumer data, company data, and being so short-staffed, right, that you're required to wear so many different hats and not get the support you need. That's been challenging. So I think the need going forward for the folks that I talk to is finding companies that really care about security and understand it. And that's another thing, Heather, that I find is a real challenge with companies that we work with. It's like you have to educate them. What do you really need in your organization? And many times they don't understand that. They come up with a job description. They throw a bunch of certifications on there as requirements. And then when you dig in, it's not what they need at all. Sometimes they don't even need a head of security, right? They just need a fractional CISO to come in and help them with a compliance initiative to hit SOC 2, type 2 as an example, right? And even that is changing. So I think, you know, long answer to your question, there's definitely been a shift in what these security leaders are looking for, especially with also the changes from the SEC, right? There's a lot more pressure on them now. And so they're much more thoughtful on finding an organization that has a good work-life balance, that cares about their employees, that understands security is important, and is willing to invest into that as much as is possible. So I'd like to change the topic a little bit. You mentioned earlier some of the things that you're seeing in the threat landscape. What are some of the things that CISOs or heads of security really need to be aware of in 2024 and beyond if they want to be the head of security for one of these companies? What are some of the changes that you've seen in the threat landscape? Well, that's a loaded question. There's a lot, right? It depends on the space that you operate in, I believe. That's a big part of it, right? Because the threat landscape's different if you're working for a manufacturing company or an IoT company or health tech or fintech, right? So all the regulations and the compliance around those is different. If I can just generalize it a little bit, I would say the changes with generative AI is definitely a significant factor, right? The amount of social engineering and the complexity and how real some of these attacks are becoming is really a challenge. So cybersecurity training and awareness is probably more important than ever before, especially these smaller companies. They're moving really fast. Many times they might be hiring really quickly. So ensuring that the culture as a company thinks about security, right? It can't just be a security team because the threats are coming at us so quickly. I'm also seeing a big trend in MFA and even MFA towards like physical hardware, right? YubiKeys. I think that's the future of identity. It's going to have to go there, right? Because we're just seeing compromises left and right, like the OctaBreach and all of that, right? So it's making security leaders have to rethink how can we simplify and just get back to basics, but also innovate to address the landscape and what it is? And it's those two factors, right? It's social engineering. I would say it's penetrating a lot of the defenses that have already been put in place. The other thing I see a lot of is the detections that are coming in, being able to engineer those so that you're actually looking at the right information, right? So having visibility, I think that's where we're seeing companies like Wiz do so well, right? Like because you have such a complex cloud infrastructure now where all of your assets are distributed. You've got multiple API connections from vendors that you're working with. So third-party risk is a big deal. So being able to have visibility into everything that you have, being able to educate your employees so that the entire company is security-minded, and then also being able to ensure that the security first, like zero trust, 
is something that you can actually implement and use the right tools and technologies that are going to be there for the future, no matter what evolves outside of quantum, of course. I think when we get to quantum, you know, that's a whole different story, right? Um, sure. When we start breaking encryptions like that, but hopefully we don't get there anytime soon. Right. Well, Jesse, this has been a really interesting conversation and you've had some great insights into the world of the CISO at small to medium-sized businesses. Anything else you'd like to add? I would say, I think there's an awareness that needs to be there that these small to medium-sized, especially technology companies, they're driving the innovation for the future of how we use technology and innovate and solve major problems for companies. There needs to be more of an awareness that these leaders need the support and they need to be able to implement what is necessary to provide the right level of security for these companies. I think the example with 23andMe is a good one, right? Where a technology company that's storing very, very sensitive data for their consumers is breached. And then how they handle that breach has been very controversial, right? So that's a good example of like, what is the things that these leaders have to deal with? Of course, they became a bigger company, but like we worked with them back in the past through one of my partners with 23andMe. And so like seeing that evolution, I think these companies that are growing in now they're going to potentially be another 23andMe if they're not careful, right? So more awareness to provide that support for that younger security leader that has a small team, low budget, making sure that there's better awareness for an entire company. And as the investors invest in these companies, right, that they're more security aware as well so that they, from the top down on the investment side, are understanding it's important, it's vital to invest into these leaders and to their teams. Well, Jesse, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. For Cybercrime Magazine, I'm Heather Engel. For more of our media, visit our website at cybersecurityventures.com.